Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. But how many of you are ready for the Word of God? Amen. Amen. Well, we are currently in a series that we are calling At Our Core. Now, the purpose of this series is to remind us of who we are and what we're all about and why we function as a church. How many of you would agree with me if the church doesn't know what they're about, if the church doesn't understand the mission and the vision, we're not going to be successful at all? In fact, the Bible says, if there fails to be a vision, we'll perish. In other words, we might as well close up these doors because nothing beneficial is going to happen for the kingdom of God. So it's vitally important that often, quite often, we take the time to remind ourselves of why we do what we do and why we come in on a Sunday morning. You hear our mission regularly. It's on about everything, love, reach, and empower. Those are the three key components of what causes this church to move forward. We have it posted in the lobby. It's on t-shirts. It's on about anything you see that's publicized from this church, from this body. But it's vitally important that we also understand our core values. What are the non-negotiables of this church? What are the things that we're not willing to waver on? What are the things that we're not willing to, to budge on? I talked about it a couple weeks ago. We hold tightly to the mission. We don't budge on that mission. We understand that everything we do has got to fall in line with love, reach, empower. Love God, love others. Reach, reach up, reach in, reach out, and empower, empower others to be disciples. That's our mission. That's what we hold tightly to. But we also have a set of core values. These are the non-negotiables of the church. We've already been through the first three. Week number one, we talked about we value prayer, not mere chatter. I'm not going to take the time to recap each one of these. If you missed one, I encourage you, go back and watch it on one of many opportunities, many venues out there, our Facebook page, um, the vodcast, the podcast, the website, you can grab a CD if you're old school, you know, whatever you want. Isn't it funny that CDs are now old school? Wow, I just felt really old all of a sudden. (laughs) CDs are old school. I mean, if you want to use that compact disc, some of you are like, I didn't even know that's what it meant. Yes, it stands for compact disc. Um, If you want to do that, there are numerous opportunities of how you can grab a hold of these and, and recap some of these. You can even go on and subscribe to the podcast so that every week it dumps automatically into your uh, mobile device. All right, so week one, we value prayer, not mere chatter. Number two, we are unifiers, not dividers. Man, that is so important right now in in the turmoil that our culture is in, that the church understands that we've got to be unifiers. We can't just sit back and we gripe and complain, oh, I can't believe this group over here is doing that and that group is doing that and this represents this and that does that. When the church is silent in the corner, something's wrong. See, the church has got to rise to the occasion. The church has to be a, 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 ther- a thermostat, not a thermometer. No, yes, a thermostat, not a thermometer. Sorry, it took me a moment to remember which was which. Thermostat sets the temperature of the room. If I want it to be warmer in here, I would bump up the thermostat on the wall. If I want it to be colder, I would bump down the thermostat. That regulates, that changes the, the temperature or the environment in which we're in, where a thermometer just reads, hey, here's the temperature, it's 70 degrees in here. Which are you today? Are you setting the pulse in culture or are you simply vocalizing what's occurring and what's happening. We've got to be unifiers and not dividers. Then last Sunday, Pastor Andy did an incredible job talking about core value number three. We are about the mission. As a church, we are about the mission. We're not about just doing church. We're not just about hanging out. We're not about fulfilling a religious obligation, but we're about the mission, holding tightly to the mission and pursuing what God has called us to do. But today, I want to take some time to look at our fourth core value. Look at this. 
We don't maintain, we multiply. We don't maintain, we multiply. Now, this particular core value, honestly, can be a little confusing on the front side. You see, as it stands, maintaining is not 100% bad, right? It's not 100% bad to maintain something. In fact, Webster's Dictionary defines maintain as this, to keep in an existing state, to continue or persevere. That's not bad. Maintaining does not appear to be a terrible thing, to keep doing what we're doing, to go through the motions, to stay the course. Not bad. However, as leadership of the church, as we were sitting back a few months ago and we were processing through our core values and making some tweaks and adjustments in this, we realized that maintenance is not what we as Christians are called to do. Did you know that? As a believer, not once in the Bible does it say that you just need to sit back and do nothing. Even when it tells us to be still, we're still active. What are we doing? Be still and know that he is God. There's still action in that moment. But the church for too many years, for decades if you would, the church overall corporately has been guilty of just existing, just maintaining, just hanging out, not changing a thing because that's how we've always done it. But is that what we're called to do? Now remember, we hold tightly to the mission. We don't waver on the Word of God. Listen carefully. We don't change the Word of God just because society is changing the stance. We hold tightly to the mission, unwavering on the mission. But the approach and the way that we achieve the, um, the the mission, the way that we achieve the calling that God has set before us can and will be tweaked. According to God's word, we are to press on. We are to fight the good fight. We are to make disciples. We are to become all things to all people that we might reach some. We are to look for opportunities to make an impact for the kingdom of God. We are to do all that we can to reach the lost, all while empowering God's people to accept the calling that he's given. We individually and we corporately must resist the urge to recline back and just coast. How easy it would be, especially right now, after coming out of three months of chaos and, for some, kickback time. But can I, let me be honest with you. The church has not been still for the last three months. I had a pastor friend tell us they're really enjoying this last three months. It's almost like a sabbatical time. I'm like, what world are you living in? There has been no such thing as sabbatical time right now. This has been hit the ground. This is boots on the ground. This is reaching the world. This is making an impact for the kingdom of God. We're not maintaining. We're multiplying. How easy it would be right now. We've gotten the routine of just tuning in on a Sunday morning or, or honestly, whenever you want, watch the service online and, and say, well, I did church this week. It was at 2.30 on a Sunday afternoon. I napped halfway through, but it was all right. I do that in the church anyway. <laughs> it's real easy when we get in this routine of comforts. Now, those of you watching online right now, man, I love you guys. I love you, but don't get comfortable. Now, please bear with me as I talk to them because we have a lot of people still out there. Okay, so bear with me just for a moment. Don't get comfortable where you are. The Bible instructs us to, to not get into that mode of missing out on community. Don't, don't just function in life on your own. You're not an island. 
but we need this time of togetherness. This is our rebuilding. This is our our feeding time. This is our, our energizing time. Why? So that we can exit these doors and begin to serve for the kingdom of God, so that we can multiply for the kingdom of God. Be way too easy for us to sit back, but that's not what we're called to do. Listen carefully. Whether you believe it or not, our time on this earth is very short. Listen carefully. I got one amen out of that. Our time on this earth is very short. Well, pastor, we've been told that a long time. That's right, but we're closer today than we were yesterday. When is that going to be? I don't know. In 1988, someone wrote a book that says 88 reasons why God is coming back in 88. It didn't happen. A couple years ago, they said the Mayan calendar declares at such and such date the world's going to end. In fact, I think today they're saying, no, we read it wrong last time. Today is actually the day that the Mayan calendar suggests that the world's going to end. I don't know when it's going to end. The Bible says not a single one of us know the day nor the hour, but we've got to keep watch. We've got to continue to move forward. We can't just maintain. We've got to prepare. We've got to make a way. We've got to share the good news with everyone. Today, more than ever before, we must be a church that doesn't just do church as we always have, but we must be a church that looks for opportunities to advance the kingdom of God. We must multiply. We can't maintain. Therefore, we, feel, we felt as a group, as, a, as leadership, we felt that God was leading us to move beyond just maintaining into the realm of multiplication. So what does multiplication mean? To increase in number, especially in multiples. Look at that. To increase in number, especially in multiples. In other words, not just a little bit of increase here and a little bit of increase there, but if you look at the book of Acts, the church was multiplying massively. 3,000, 1,000, 2,000 were coming to know the Lord daily. Why? Because they weren't maintaining, they were multiplying. You guys are quiet today. By the way, I didn't get to preach last week, so I have two weeks bundled up inside here. So just a little bit of warning there. We must pursue opportunities to multiply. And when I say we, I'm not just talking about the church corporately. We, we, we are the church. We must pursue We, the Christian, we, the follower of Christ, we, the believer, we, the disciple, we must actively pursue opportunities to multiply, to multiply spiritually, to multiply socially, and to multiply numerically. We must not be satisfied with existing on spiritual life supports. But we must begin to thrive in the work that God has given us to reach beyond ourselves. This may and ultimately will, listen carefully, will require us to attempt some things that we have never tried before. Let me say that again. That scared some of you. This may and ultimately will require the church to try some things that we have never tried before. We may even alter some things that we are currently doing. Why? Because we can't maintain, we must multiply. We must never fall into the old statements, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I believe our world is in the mess that it's in because the church for generations has said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'll just do what I've always done. It's Sunday morning. We'll go through the same routine. Three songs, prayer, 30-minute message, closing prayer, go home, have fried chicken, call it a day. Oh, come on, fried chicken in the afternoon, that's awesome. I will tell you, during COVID, um, we frequented KFC. That was our Sunday go-to. We would grab it and, and go home and have KFC. But any good Pentecostal pastor has fried chicken 
on a Sunday, I'm just saying. We can't fall into this trap of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just because it's not broken does not mean it's the best. We must strive to improve and even multiply what God has placed before us. Our text today is found in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, and it says this, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. It would be easy to get tired. It would be easy to get comfortable. It would be easy to, to settle in and miss the blessing of the great harvest. In fact, Jesus was talking to the disciples in John chapter 4 when he said this, wake up! Look at your neighbor today and say, wake up! I tell you to shake them or touch them, but you can't do that right now. So just look at them one more time and say, wake up! And look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Church, it's time for the people of God to wake up. We've been in a slumber for way too long. We've been comfortable for way too long. We must begin to look up and, and see the opportunity that lies in front of us. That's what I want us to discover today. What does it mean for us here at Encounter Church when we say that we are multipliers? Simply put, it means that we look for opportunities to embrace the call and move beyond the norm. Let me say that again. Simply put, it means that we look for opportunities. Now, is it enough just to look for opportunities? No, there's got to be a response on the other side of that, doesn't there? Once we find the opportunity, what are we going to do with this? So we look for opportunities, and then we embrace, in other words, we accept the call, and we move beyond the norm. Just because somebody else isn't doing it doesn't mean that we shouldn't. If God has called us to go, God will equip us, God will enable us, but we've got to begin to move. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Let me ask a question. Are we living in evil days? This side of the room said yes, couple here and not a single person over here. So let's try that one more time just in case the audio stopped over here. Are we living in evil days? Therefore, if we're living in the evil days, then we need to put into action the word of God, which states that we must make the most of every opportunity. For us here at Encounter Church, that means that we must refuse to be a church of maintainers. But we must wholly embrace the concept that the Bible represents of stepping up and stepping out for the kingdom of God. As the leadership of this church, we've come to discover that it's not enough just to go through the motions. Would you agree with that? It's not enough just to go through the motions. We must venture out and pursue the opportunity that is presented in these evil days. So very quickly, I want to give you three areas that I believe that God is calling us to multiply. Now, some of this I've, I've talked about in the past, but how many of you know we need to be reminded and keep things on the forefront? Especially if it's something new, we need to keep it on the forefront of our minds so that we see it and we pursue it and we move closer to it. So I want to look at three areas of true multiplication. Number one is this. Spiritual development. Spiritual development. 
Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 says this, So let us stop going over the basic teaching about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Let us not just keep going over the basics, but let us begin to pursue the greater things of God. Does that mean that the basics are bad? No, the basics are good. We need the basics. But we've got to build on top of that. We must grow in our spiritual development. Now listen very carefully. This is going to require each and every one of us put in the needed hard work. Not a single amen. Thank you. It's going to require every single one. If we want to grow spiritually, if we want to spiritually mature, come on. We just spent several weeks talking about the book of James and talking about what it means to pursue this mature Christian walk. But if we fail to apply that, then simply we're becoming maintainers and we fail to become multipliers. We as a church will do all that we can to make opportunities available to you. But all we can do is lay out the buffet. Individually, you and I, we must learn to pick up that plate and honestly even share that plate with somebody else. The Bible says iron sharpens iron as one man or one person sharpens another. If we want to grow in our spiritual maturity, then we're going to have to dig in deep. We're going to have to take the time. And that includes more than just a Sunday morning. Listen carefully, church. You've got to spend time regularly in the things of God. You've got to spend time dissecting the Word of God, digesting the very Word of God. You've got to spend time in prayer. You need to spend time learning from Him. As a believer, we're called to be a disciple. What did a disciple do? In Jesus' day, the disciple would be at the door of the person they were learning from first thing in the morning. They would wait for that person to walk out the door. The moment they walked out the door, they would follow them every step of the way, every turn that they made, everywhere that they went. They would follow that person, and they would learn their actions. They would learn what they were doing. They would learn from them. And I wonder... Are we spending adequate time learning from Jesus? Let me say this. A 35-minute message on a Sunday morning is not enough. It's not enough. It's not going to help you grow in your faith. If I only ate one meal per week, I'd starve to death. You can tell I'm not starving. So that was fun. That was like a trickle effect. You had those that were that were perked up on coffee right off the bat. They got that, and the others were like, "Oh, that that was fun. That was fun." But thank you for not agreeing and going, "Amen, Pastor. You're not starving. Preach on gluttony next week." No, sir. No, sir. But we must pursue this relationship. We must pursue the knowledge. We must allow God to, to pour into us so much more of Him that our spiritual development begins to grow. Over the next couple of months, I'm going to encourage you, once we open up life groups again, to become part of a life group. This is a vital way that we can grow in our maturity. Now, some have asked, well, Pastor, why don't we have Sunday school? It's because this building doesn't have room. So what do we do? We have Sunday night school. It's called a life group. Same animal, different location. Different part of the zoo, but it's the same animal. It's still that opportunity to learn from one another. It's still that opportunity to grow in our faith. Life group is more than a social club. But it's an opportunity to help one another in our walk with Christ. Now, I want you to think back for a moment. The book of Acts. Jesus has just ascended into heaven. 
The 120 are in the upper room. They, they spend time seeking after God, and suddenly the Holy Spirit consumes the place. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then things begin to exponentially multiply in the early church. Things were exploding spiritually. What were they doing? They were spending time in God's Word. They were spending time in prayer with one another. They were spending time eating meals together. So in essence, you know what they were doing? They were having life group. Think about that. Because that's exactly what our life groups do. They were having a life group. And the results were absolutely amazing. God was adding to the church daily those that were being saved. They weren't maintaining, they were multiplying. Now, another leg of our spiritual growth, in January, I shared with you that in the year 2020, and COVID has kind of messed that up a little bit, um, that we're going to be launching a mentoring or discipleship program. We're calling it E-One-to-One, Encounter One-to-One. Now, this is still our plan. In fact, the, the message has already been laid out for that, and we were supposed to unveil all of this um, the second week, I believe it was, into covid um, but we really felt that doing that and unveiling that with an empty room was a little counterproductive. Okay, so we have that ready, and once we kind of come back and do some normalcy, we'll take some time and we'll reveal the nuts and the bolts of how this is going to work, how this great ministry is going to help impact this body of believers. And I cannot wait to see what God does spiritually as we begin to invest in one another. This is more than just sitting down in a room and, and consuming. This is more than a, a lecture and listening. But this is time to sharpen one another. This is time to invest in one another. This is time to listen to the heart of one another, to pray with one another, to walk side by side with one another, to correct when necessary one another. We're going to have an accountability program, and I'm going to encourage every one of you to be involved. Another leg of our spiritual development is serving. Jesus himself said that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And what did he do? He took off the outer garment. He wrapped the towel around his waist. He began to serve the disciples. He began to wash their feet, their responsibility, the job of the lowest of the lowest of the lowest servants out there. Yet Jesus said, you know what, guys? If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, if you want to make an impact for the kingdom of God, you've got to learn to begin to serve. You've got to reach beyond yourself. See, the moment you begin to serve, you move the focus off of yourself and onto a greater task. Statistics tell us that the average church functions on about 20% of the people doing the majority of the work. What a terrible statistic. What a sad statistic. That tells me that many of us, we don't get it. We haven't grabbed a hold of the heart of Jesus. We haven't begun to serve. I'm happy to tell you that here at Encounter Church, we have a large percentage of our people that are serving on a weekly basis. Would I say that it's knocking it out of the park successful? Maybe not quite yet, but we're getting there. I would consider every one of our volunteers team members. In fact, I try really hard not to call them volunteers because they're part of a, a greater team. I ask that every one of our volunteers work to multiply themselves. If I haven't had this conversation with you yet, listen carefully, I'm talking to you now. As a team member here at Encounter Church, I'm asking you to multiply yourself. Look for somebody to disciple. Look for somebody to bring alongside you in that area of ministry. Look for somebody that you can train in that area of ministry. Well, pastor, if I do that, I'll work myself out of job. Perfect. Perfect. Look for an opportunity to multiply. Don't just maintain. We're working together to accomplish this great goal of multiplication. In fact, we have a program that we call our Grow Track. It's a 
four-week class. If you haven't gone through the Grow Track, used to be called Bethel Beginnings. We've revamped it, made some changes, altered it. It's now Grow Track. If you haven't gone through the Grow Track yet, let me encourage you to do so. There is currently a class going on tonight. I believe is week three of that, so it's a little late getting into that, but we'll have another one start in a few weeks down the road. But we're also working on a digital format of this that will be available on our website. Um, we're spending time recording and editing videos right now, but I would encourage you, go through the Grow Track. It helps you know more about this body of believers, what we stand for, not only our core values and our mission, but as the Assemblies of God, what are the 16 fundamental truths of the Assemblies of God? What does it mean to give my life to Christ? What does it mean to be baptized in water? Very foundational things. But then it goes a little deeper, and we begin to discuss how do I grow in my maturity? What does a, a walk with Christ really look like? What are my spiritual giftings? How can I be used for the kingdom of God? We implement those into session three and four, and now how can I get plugged in to ministry? How can I begin to serve? I would encourage you, encourage you, go through this class. You will not regret it. Well, pastor, I've, went, I've gone through those before. Have you gone through this one? If not, I, I think you should go through it. I would encourage you, be a part of this great class. I believe it's time to multiply. Our, our second area is this, church outreach. John chapter 17, verse 18 says, Just as you, God, sent me into the world, I, Jesus, am sending them into the world. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Just as God sent me into this world, now I am sending you. Jesus is releasing us into the world, not to be like the world, but as an opportunity to reach beyond ourselves and make a difference. Now listen carefully. Our culture so desires for the church to become like it. Listen carefully. Our culture longs for the church to make changes so that they're comfortable. But the Bible tells me that as we step into this world, we can't allow the world to change us. But Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that we need to allow God to change us by changing the way we think, to alter our human mindset. In other words, to, to not allow culture to, to change our thoughts, but allow God to change our thoughts. Suddenly, we're responding like Him, not like them. Suddenly, we're loving, not hating. I could go on and on and make comparisons, but I think you get the points. The same Greek word that is used for Jesus being sent, interestingly enough, is the same word that He uses when He says, I'm sending you. It literally means to order one to go to the place appointed. Jesus says, just as God sent me to the, on this earth to die on a cross, to serve a purpose, to give you hope, to give you salvation, just as he sent me, I'm sending you. What did he tell us to do? Go and share the good news with everyone. Go and make disciples Make an impact for the kingdom of God. One translation says that Jesus is giving us a mission. He has set us out on a mission, a mission to make an impact for his kingdom, a mission to tell the world the good news, a mission to show the world that God is a better way, a mission to show forgiveness, complete forgiveness. For one and all. But can I be honest with you? Sometimes outreach is hard. You never know who you're going to come in contact with. Now, for those of you that, that do much outreach, and outreach could be an event that the church puts on. Outreach could mean God speaking to you and saying, hey, you see that person over there? You need to go talk to them. Outreach has a lot of looks. Remember, we hold tightly to the mission, but the method, the mode, man, that can be altered. You never know who you're going to come in contact with. 
Some may love what you're doing. Some may hate what you're attempting. Don't be shocked by that. The Bible says that people will hate us because of him. I know, it makes no sense. Why would you hate somebody that's desiring to follow after somebody that's defined as love? That doesn't make sense here. But Jesus said, people, society, culture will hate you because of your walk with Christ. They don't always understand why you do what you do. I shared this a couple of years ago, but when I was a youth pastor many, many years ago, I took my youth on a leadership camp, leadership retreat. And in part of this retreat, they had to serve. It was in Springfield and one particular day of service, we went into these subdivisions with a wagon and trash bags, and we literally went through the subdivision picking up trash and cleaning up the area. Sounds like a good thing, right? Somebody called the cops on us. A cop car pulls up beside me. He said, may I ask what you guys are doing? I said, we're picking up trash. Why are you picking up trash? Because it was laying around. I don't think I said it like that to him because that would have been one of these moments, I think. But I, I said, hey, we're just out here. We're sharing the love of God. We're, we're just serving um, the community. You know, we see an opportunity and we're, we're trying to capitalize on that opportunity. We just want to be the hands, the feet, and the voice of Jesus. He looked at me like, with like deer in a headlights. He's like, so you're just out here picking up trash. Oh, and it was midsummer, so we were passing out free water bottles too. And you're giving out free water? That's it. You see, people don't always understand why we do what we do, but that does not mean that we stop. We continue to represent Christ in all that we say and all that we do. It's Pastor Steve Furtick, a great pastor, pastor at Elevation Church, one of the fastest growing churches in our nation, that once made this statement. If the mark of Christian, Christian maturity is a bunch of people who want to create a museum glorifying and preserving their personal preferences and then sanctifying it by calling it a church, count me out. Amen. Man, if all we're going to do is just glorify our preferences and say, man, this is all for me, then count me out because we've missed the heart of God. We've missed what it means to serve. We've missed what it means to multiply for the kingdom of God. This statement hit home to me. We don't want to just exist we want to advance the kingdom of God. What does that look like? Again, it can look like virtually anything. During COVID, for us as a church, it's meant food distribution every Monday. Can I just tell you, has it been fun? To a degree. But when the storms are raging down on you and the wind's blowing and Pastor Andy's got a, a little trash bag on and it's going... That moment wasn't fun. But was it worth it? Absolutely. The opportunities that we've had to, to pray with people as tears are streaming down their face. The hope that we've been able to speak into lives and people said, you know what, without what you guys are doing, we wouldn't have had food this week. Why do we do what we do? Because we want to multiply for the kingdom of God. We want to advance the kingdom of God. It could be our family fest hotspots. It could be school assemblies. It could be mentoring. It could be our rural compassion supplies that we pass out. It could be just conversations that you as a congregate have with people at work or at the grocery store or at the department store. It's those moments of looking for an opportunity, seizing the moment in this time of evil. The point is, we have been sent, you have been sent, so we must go. John chapter 14 says this, the person who trusts me, Jesus is speaking, 
will not only do what I've done, I'm doing, but even greater things. Let me say that again. The person who trusts me, Jesus, will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things. Why? Because I, on my, I am on my way to the Father and giving you the same work to do that I have been doing. You can count on it. Jesus is telling us that we have got to do what he started. We must be the church. Now, if you look at this, it says that we're going to accomplish even greater things than him. I mean, he healed the blind eyes. He healed those with leprosy. He raised the dead. How are we going to match that? Well, we're not. But as we allow ourselves to be a vessel for him, as we press in, as we reach out, remember the second portion of our mission, love, reach. So now we're reaching out to him, reaching up to him, reaching out to this world. We're making an impact for them. We're allowing God to use us for a greater purpose than ourselves. Suddenly, things begin to happen. I believe it's time to multiply. Number three, multi-site campuses. I want to put this in your mind once again because the day and the time is coming very soon. This is a topic that's been on our heart, the heart of this church, the heart of this body for several years now. Multiple campuses. In other words, launching churches that are part of this body into the region and the communities around us. Now, we discovered a few years back that as a church, Encounter Church reaches into seven different counties every single week. We have people that travel in from seven different counties every week. And if I can get a musician up here, that would be awesome. So in those seven counties, there are about 200,000 people that we have the opportunity to impact. Now, bear with me just for a moment. Let's, Let's kind of nerd out and do a little bit of math. If we as a church were able to reach only 1%, of the 200,000 in the seven counties, that would mean that we could reach 2,000 people every single week. Now, could you imagine trying to cram 2,000 people into this room that holds 250, or right now, 178? Could you imagine that? That wouldn't work very well, would it? Well, we could do multiple services. We can do 20 services a weekend. Probably not a good idea. Some people, some of you, you don't mind traveling in. At one point, we had a family travel about an hour and 15 minutes every Sunday to be here for church. Some people don't mind traveling. But why not follow the role or the idea of the church in the book of Acts. Why not go where they are? Why not go into communities that don't have a, an Assemblies of God church at all and start one? After all, I believe that people are dying every day without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a culture right now, kind of the, the hot topic is flattening the curve. We hear that in results of this COVID-19 and all the stuff going around. But why not flatten the curve spiritually? Why not begin to reach more people? Why not begin to make a greater impact? After all, Mark chapter 16 said, go into the world. Who's he talking to? You and you and you and you and me. Go into the world. Go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. That's what we're called to do. To go and share the message of Jesus Christ. The good news is Jesus loves them. He wants to give them a real, abundant, free, hope-filled life. Something that many, many people are missing right now. We're currently looking at launching a campus, once again, in addition to this body of believers. Launching a campus this next fall, in fall of 2021, in Lincoln, Missouri. We've already begun to talk to the Southern Missouri Assemblies of God District Office. That's our hierarchy right above us. We've talked to the pastor in 
Warsaw. I've talked to the pastor in Windsor because those are the next two closest churches. I've talked to the presbyter who is the pastor over that region of uh, Assemblies of God churches for the Clinton section. And every one of those conversations, we have received overwhelming support and blessing. Now, some of us in the room would argue, well, pastor, how are we going to fund such an endeavor? Isn't the risk too high? So I'll be honest with you. Not every church plant is successful. So is the risk too high? Well, let me answer these two questions separately. Number one, funding. I'm going to ask you to partner with us because this is part of our body. Some of you will go with that launch. Some of you live in that area and you say, you know what, Pastor, that would be awesome to have a church in my community or the community right next to us. So I'm going to ask you to partner with us. With this campus, we're simply adding to our family. We'll also be receiving support outside of these walls. Why? Because there are people outside these walls that want to help see this vision come to pass. We've already received one sizable um, financial gift to help us get this started. There are partners in the church planning world or church planning circle that I've already had conversation with that are ready to help us as well. One missionary that we support once said this, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. If this is a God thing, which we believe it is, God will make it away. Why? Because he's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. So what about the next question? Is the risk too high? That's a great question. But here's what I've discovered. Anything of lasting value in life is going to take faith to accomplish. Anything of lasting value in life is going to take faith to accomplish. When this church was started in 2003 and officially in 2004, guess what? It took faith. When this property was purchased in 2004, 2005, guess what? It took faith. When the building began to become a, part, a building, they began to purchase the building, guess what? It took faith. When we did the remodel a few years ago, guess what? It took faith. The risk is worth it if one person comes to know Jesus. Now it's time to begin to multiply. To multiply spiritually, to multiply socially, and to multiply numerically for the kingdom of God. Not just talking about a, a slow multiplication, that's called addition. But we're talking about multiplication, rapid multiplication. Our world is quickly crumbling. Agree? Society is crumbling. And I'm just here to tell you, I'm not a prophet, but I'm here to tell you, I believe it's going to get worse before it gets better. Not just a little worse. I believe it's going to get worse. Buckle up, buttercup. So the church must rise to the occasion. We must make the difference. We must rise to the top and begin to make the needed changes so the good news of Jesus Christ can be heard by one and all. But it will take every one of us, every one of us doing our part. Because as a church, we don't just maintain multiply. Would you pray with me, God? Help us. But multiplication's hard. Maintaining's easy. Multiplication's hard. Well, this is going to really stretch and challenge this body of believers. But Lord, I believe that you've called us to press forward, to run the race, to multiply for the kingdom of God. So Lord, we're dependent on you today. Lord, help us not to turn, help us not to turn back, but help us to keep our focus on you. To hold tightly to the mission 
follow your lead. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, two questions. First question I ask about 99.8% of the time. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't have Jesus in my life. I haven't asked him to forgive me. I don't want to wrap up this service without giving you the opportunity to make a change. That's the starting point of everything. If you're here today and you want to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life, to be your Lord and Savior, if that's you, would you raise your hand? With that, I would believe that every one of us have a relationship with Jesus. So the second question is this. Say, Pastor, I'm tired of maintaining. I'm ready to join this adventure. I'm ready to be a multiplier to the kingdom of God. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I've got hands going up all over the room. Stand with me across the house. I want to pray for you today. God, Lord, you see all the hands that were raised today. People that are declaring that no longer are they just going to maintain. No longer are they going to hold on to status quo. But God, from this day forward, from this time on, they're going to passionately pursue your mission. They're going to look for opportunities Lord, they're going to do what you've called them to do. Would you help us today? Lord, help us to move away from the realm of maintaining and move into the realm of multiplying so that your church can truly function the way you've designed us to function. We need you, God. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name.